Sunday, so uh, we ask you to hold your Bible up or your electronic device with your Bible on it. Either one will work. So, and it goes like this. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. And here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, look at your neighbor and do, hey, what you afraid of, okay? You got you to do the hand motions too, come on. What you afraid of? Come on. Now, I didn't see, I didn't see many hand motions, come on. Hey, what you afraid of? Okay. Feel like I'm in Chicago again. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey what you looking at? Bronx, New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What you afraid of? You talking to me? Oh, okay. <laughs> Forget about it. How you doing? Well, welcome to Easter at River Oaks. Glad you're here today. Uh, Got to tell you about yesterday. Uh, we have coordinated the community Easter egg hunt now for well over a decade, and uh, it was raining yesterday morning. And I said, Lord, I have 6,000 eggs, and Lord, I don't know what to do with 6,000 eggs. I could give them to Braden Caleb and he'd eat all of them, but I said, Lord, it'd be great if the rain could break for just a window. I just need a window of two hours from 10 to noon, and... Uh, at 9.45, boom, rain stops, boom, sun comes out, and we distributed 6,000 eggs and watched kids like locusts scarf them up. It's awesome. It's awesome. And thank all of you that came to help, and uh, it's always a joy to watch. It was Chrissy's first time to be indoctrinated into the community egg hunt. But we had... Uh, I had a dad walk up to me at the end, and he said, you know what? He said, that son coming out told me this is a resurrection happening today. I said, okay, awesome. So you never know the mileage that God's going to take whatever we do in his name and the lives that we'll touch in his name. And before every age group goes off, we always tell them the resurrection story. And uh, I get more comments about that than I do anything else. So I'm grateful for you as a church that supports that, and uh, next year, uh, come bring your grandkids or your kids, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. But welcome today, uh, starting our series called Conquering the Giants. Uh, Easter's a big time to celebrate here at the church, but worldwide, Christians everywhere are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope you are too. And today, we're going to uh, talk about the first giant that we need to conquer, and that's the giant of fear. Truth is, we're all afraid from time to time. It really starts when we're a kid. I remember when I was a kid, my brother, at least my brother, convinced me that there was a boogeyman that lived in the closet. And then somehow he moved from the closet to under my bed. And, uh, I, you know, I quit believing in the boogeyman. Well, for the most part, I, I did. I, I did that. But as I've grown up, I've also found out and grown older that my fears grow bigger, too. You see, when we get to be adults, these fears look different. 
illnesses, careers, finances. And we could just keep going and going on, on making a list. But I wonder what fears you are facing and what are the giants that you'd like to conquer? Scientists have discovered that there's only two natural fears and I wonder if you can pick out what they are. I've got some up on the board here. Uh, a is drowning. B is falling. C, commitment. D is the dark. E is the Kardashians. <laughs> There's some people afraid of them. Church, F, G is spiders. Now, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm not a spider fan. I'm not a spider fan. H, loud noises. I, the Caleb brothers. I, said, I put that up for our sports guys here at the church. Because the Caleb brothers can be intimidating at certain points. But for the most part, they're pretty mild-mannered and easygoing. Amen? But sometimes, I've watched Brad. Brad's here this morning. I've watched Brad get really animated on the sideline on a, on a Friday night. And I pulled him over close. He thought I wanted to say something to him. I was checking him. I was making sure there wasn't any sharp objects on him. So he was going to kill somebody. So the Caleb brothers. Or J disease. Any idea which two are the most common fears? Drowning and falling. Okay, anybody else? Spiders? Commitment? The church? <laughs> I'm surprised nobody's picked the Kardashians. I mean, come on. Actually, letter B and letter H. Those are the two most natural fears that people have. And so we need to ask ourselves, and really there's some good news attached to this, because if we learned, all the rest of them, we've learned how to be afraid. So if we've learned how to be afraid of them, we can also learn how to unlearn to be afraid. And that's what I want to help you do today. I want you to learn how to conquer Whatever giant that you have, and especially the giant of fear, I want to help you do that. We'll start by looking at that verse right there on the front of your bulletin, Romans 8, 31. Just the back part of that verse. We read the whole verse earlier, but just the back part of it. It's a memory verse I want you to work on. It's really the anchor verse for our whole series. I think it's appropriate, uh, again, that we read it out together. Just that back part. Ready? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Let's do it one more time. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And what that means is whatever is against you, whatever is your giant, get this, God is bigger. God is bigger. He is for you. God says that you can conquer your giant. And now you may have come today thinking God is mad at you. You may have come today thinking God is out to get you. You may have come today thinking, boy, you know, I've been through some really stuff, tough, in my, uh, tough stuff in my past, and I want you to know this. God is for you. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter how bad you think you have behaved. God is for you and loves you and cares about you. And that's probably one of the reasons why you're here today. Just to hear that God is for you. And God's, I want you to know that God says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that's available to you to conquer whatever giant that you're facing. Same power. 
And when you think about conquering the giants, we always think of an Old Testament story of David and... Yeah, you've heard it. Now, now how old was David when he did all this? Any of you know? He was a teenager. A teenager. He was like these fine-looking young folks up here on the front. Some have disappeared. I don't know where they went. I just looked to my right, and half of them were gone. Has the rapture taken place? And we've all been left behind? Well, knowing the ones that left, I'm a little skeptical. But anyway. <laughs> Goliath. Great story. First chapter, first, uh, Samuel chapter 17. Uh, you can read the whole thing later. I'm just going to pick some selected verses out for our purposes this morning. But it starts out in verse 4, and it mentions again who? Goliath. He names the giant. Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out to the Phil of the Philistine ranks to, force, uh, to, excuse me, to face the forces of Israel. Now, I want you to hold your finger right there because Israel is the people of God, and the Philistines are the people who are trying to conquer Israel. And, and, and so he comes out and he orders to fight this battle. Uh, in, instead of all the wars, each side has to send forth this champion. So those two champions were to fight it out. So the Philistines sent out a, a, guy, a giant named Goliath. And here's what we know about him. He was how many feet? Nine feet tall. Now, I don't know about you. That's a pretty tall guy. I haven't seen too many NBA players at nine feet tall. Any NFL players that are nine feet tall. Because I'm telling you, if you find an, if you find an NFL player that's nine foot tall, he's going to draw a contract. Amen? <laughs> that's a tall person. But look, how, look what else it says. He wore a bronze helmet, his, his bronze coat of mail, weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. This guy had an issue with bronze, I think. But look at verse 7. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam tipped on an iron, with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. And his armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying his shield. Verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion. In other words, he's the UFC champ of the day. But you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. Now, it's not said in the translation, any translation, especially this one, but actually what he was doing when it says he was taunting them, he was blaspheming God. He was making fun of God. He was saying, you claim to believe in God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You, you claim to believe in Him, but you won't even send anybody down here to fight me. So the better translation is not that he taunted the Israelites, but that he blasphemed God. Look at verse 9. If he kills me, Goliath says, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, like I've done everybody else, you'll be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel, therefore the army of God. Send me a man who will fight. And when Saul, and now look at verse 11, when Saul, that's the king of Israel, and the Israelites heard this, underline this next phrase, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Terrified and deeply shaken. Now, I don't want you to turn the page just yet. I want you to think a minute. Think about what you underlined. You ever been there? You ever been to a place with a giant staring you down and you're paralyzed. You can't move. 
you're frightened and afraid. The fear has gripped you so much. Well, I think that's why God had you here today. Because he wants to give you some answers. God wants you to learn some great lessons from this story of David and Goliath. God brought you here to teach you how to conquer the giants in your life. So let's start by talking about that. Go ahead and turn open your bulletin number one. Four lessons we learned from the life of David. How to, how to conquer the giant of fear. Number one, name my giant. You got to name him. Name your giant. The first step in conquering any issue is to name the issue. You have a problem, name the problem. Mine, overeating. It's obvious. It's not as bad as it used to be, but still not where it needs to be. I found a verse in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said he buffets his body daily to stay in the race. Any of you join me on that? Yeah, that's the problem. We've been joining the buffet line. <laughs> nope, he says, I buffet my body daily. A little different uh, meaning between buffet and buffet. But we've got to name our giants. What's yours? Don't know. You do. Do you have enough courage to name it? To name that giant? Give that fear a name. Have you ever noticed that when things are uncertain, they're harder to deal with? When you put a name on it, it counts. And David was lucky. His giant had a literal name, the name Goliath. To pick our story back up in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 22, David really hadn't had appeared yet, but David said he left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. Verse 23, and as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. And then David heard him shout with his usual taunt. Remember, that's a blaspheme. To the armies of Israel, verse 24, as soon as the Israel army saw him, they began to run away in fright. So in other words, they got afraid of the giant. And so they said, have you seen the giant? He comes out here each day to defy Israel. Now again, what was the giant's name? Goliath. Goliath means uncovered. Now I want you to hang on to that thought for a minute. I'll come back to it. He's nine feet tall, taunts the army of Israel by blaspheming God, comes out every day and does it. And up to this point, he's defeated everybody who's tried to conquer him. And that's what I've observed about giants in people's lives. Is the biggest issue in our lives are usually those big, loud, persistent, and seemingly impossible giants that we have to defeat. They're Goliath in nature. They cause us to question God and we absolutely want to run from them. So again, what giant are you facing? Would you be honest enough to think about your life? Think about this next week, this next month, this next year. What issue is it? A preacher surveyed his church recently and he asked them to tell him the giants that they were facing. And the church was amazingly honest. And here's what they learned. The number one giant in their church was the giant of financial pressure. Albeit debt or mortgage issues or unemployment and the uncertainty about the future, paychecks or decline in retirements. Decline in retirements wasn't important to me until recently. <laughs> I'm getting old and gray. And retirements are really important. But nobody told me that when I was 20. And if they did, I didn't listen because I was going to live forever. 
And if you don't prepare, what happens? You get to work till you die. So that's my goal, is I'm going to be preaching one day and just keel over, okay? So if you see me go down, don't bring me back. If all the air's gone, don't blow it in there. Amen? Can I get an amen? I'm going to hold you to it. Because if you bring me back, I'm going to haunt you. No, jeez. I'm going to be that giant. No, I'm teasing. But financial pressure was the, was the number one issue. Right behind that came illnesses, either their own or somebody else, or temptation, dealing with that, and the sin issues. And starting next week, we're going to look at finances. We're going to, I want to talk to you about how to overcome the giant of finances. And, and I've got some practical things for you that I think will be helpful for you to understand and know. If you'll apply them in your life, you'll see some great things happen for you in that area. On the back of your bulletin, turn there. You'll see a, a re replica of the back of your connection card. It says that you're going to trust God with the following giant. Were you able to name that giant? Now would be a good time to write that name in there. You know, if you don't want the person beside you to see what the giant is, just put the initials in there. If the person beside you is the giant, just put an arrow there. And <laughs> God will understand. This is between you and God, right? If the giant... <laughs> I just thought about several things I, I shouldn't say, so. But there is something powerful about naming the giant. And so, whether it be an arrow or initials, name that giant. But the truth is, if you can name it, you can tame it. If you name it, you can tame it. My son Corey and daughter-in-law Megan have a dog named Champ. He's an English Mastiff dog. Now, I don't know, I don't know about, if you know about dog breeds, but English Mastiff dogs are big dogs. Champ can get up on his hind legs and be above my head. But I'm telling you, if you can name it, you can tame it. And Cindy and I were in Houston not too long ago just visiting their new home, and it was a sunny Sunday afternoon before I caught my flight to Orlando to a pastor's conference. <laughs> I looked out in the backyard, and that big dog was laying on its back, and my daughter-in-law, Megan, had some kind of brush comb thing going down his chest like this. And that dog, I, I swear that dog looked at me and said, this is awesome. <laughs> if you name it, you can tame it. And she calls him champ, and boy, he's there. But I told Cindy, I said, is there a, can I get in line with that? That looks pretty good out there. I don't know if I want that brush rubbed across me or not, but if you, if you name it, you can tame it. Think about that, because that's where it starts. It's recognition. The things that we fear most are the things that are uncertain. So if you put a name on it, it's not uncertain anymore. If it's worded, then you can trust God to help you defeat that giant. Could I be so bold as to say that one of the biggest reasons that you're afraid of the giant in your life up to this point is that you probably haven't talked to God about it? And if you have, you, you weren't really serious. Have you really taken it to God? Have you really given it to God? You see, God can help you overcome overeating, alcohol, drugs, cigarettes. You fill in the blank. 
God can help you overcome that. In October, I started working out toward that. And now I have to punch new holes in my belt. Because when you start getting serious about it, God will respond to you. Now, I'm telling you, after a 45-minute, and mine's low impact, trust me, when, he, when it's called cardiovascular work, mine's very low impact. But I'm telling you, by the time I get done, my body says, what have you done? Why are you here? Can't you smell the hamburgers and fries at McDonald's? Go over there and eat. And I keep saying, no, no, get away from me, Satan. <laughs> Only to have it get stronger. Any of you struggle with anything like that? But I'm telling you that God can help you turn it off. But you got to want to. You got to name it, then you got to go after it and give it over to Him. There's a verse in your outline. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So take just a moment. Write down the name of that giant on the back of your bulletin. Whether it's something really big or something really simple. Name that giant. Number one. Number two, ask God to replace my fear with his faith. Ask God to replace my fear with his faith. It's important to understand the giant that you just named is not going to go away on its own. It's not going to shrink away and go into the background. It's not just going to magically disappear. In fact, if you let it stay there, it continues to grow and grow and get stronger and get stronger. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to get with God and get rid of it. So to conquer that giant, you've got to replace it. You've got to replace it. I'm still struggling with that switch they say that you need to flip in your head that says don't eat so much. I'm still struggling with that. But the pain I feel every day after working out, I don't want, I don't, I don't want that anymore. <laughs> so I either quit working out or I, I keep flipping that switch. I want to keep flipping the switch. So you pray for me that I'll keep flipping that switch. Because it's really important for my health and all. I've got to live long enough to see Corey and Megan have twin girls. I just... Amen. That was my older son, by the way. He gets excited when his little brother gets in trouble. So, but Nevertheless, we have to replace fear with faith. And the one thing I know about faith and fear is that they can't coexist. Back to 1 Samuel 17, pick it up at verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine. David tells Saul, David's a teenager, he's telling Saul the king, I'll go fight for him, and I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. I'll go fight for you, king, and I'll go fight him. Verse 33, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Verse 34, what's your say? David persisted. He persisted. Now, those of you who have been married more than a day, you understand about persistence, don't you? Those of you men that married wonderful women, and every one of them are wonderful, can I get an amen from each man here? Oh, that's pretty weak. Can I get an amen? No, it should be amen! Amen! amen. 
How about can I get a show of hands, men? You married beautiful wives, did you not? They're the most wonderful thing that's ever come into your life. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute, that doesn't fit my outline at all. So you... Now we know, now we see, see the problem. <laughs> These women are helping way too much. Okay, David persisted. I'm going to go back and quit trying to be silly. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Remember, he was a shepherd. Verse 35. I go, when he's talking about the bears and the lions that, that steal the lamb, he, he says, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns to me, I catch it by the jaw, club it to death. In verse 36, I've done this both to lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. You see his faith loading up? Verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. I mean, how are you going to argue with this guy? And look what he says. Go ahead and may the Lord be with you. Remember earlier I told you that the word Goliath means uncovered. Here's why I think that's significant. When Goliath showed up, his presence uncovered the character of Saul and the Israelites. Saul and the Israelites... I mean, Saul was a giant himself. He was over seven feet tall. But King Saul and the Israelites were uncovered by Goliath, and we saw how afraid they really were. Because they weren't going to go out there, and they weren't going to fight him. It says they ran back. But then David steps up, and Goliath uncovers the character of David as well. And there revealed in David was a deep faith that God had in David. And now the faith wasn't fanciful. He had seen God work in his life in the past with that lion and with that bear. And if God took care of him then, he believed that God would take care of him now. Haven't you seen God do victories in your life? And if he did it then, why don't you think he can do it now? Because you've allowed those giants to take control. And that's what fear does. Fear reveals what's on the inside. Fear reveals your character. And, and you won't know how much faith you have until you face the giant of fear in your life. And two options. You have one of two options. Either you will pull away from God and run, or you'll lean into God and experience His faith. Now look across the page, 2 Timothy 1, 7. It's what God wants you to know. For God has not given us a spirit, a spirit of what? Fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Do you know what fear is, by the way? Fear is the faith in the enemy. It's faith in the enemy. It's not from God. God isn't the author of fear. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be conquered by Goliath. He wants you to give faith a try. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you self-discipline. And so when fear comes into your life, you can either let it push you away from God or you can let it draw you back into God. And here's what's cool about it. Fear can actually increase your faith. If you allow it to, it can pull you so close to God that you, to a place you've never been. And if you lean on God, your fear will decrease, your faith will increase. Look at Hebrews 11 and verse 1. It defines what faith is. It says it is the confident assurance. Two words I want you to circle. 
confident assurance. It's that confidence assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. As you think about your giant, maybe you can't see the solution yet. Maybe you can't even see your way out, but you can see God. And so my challenge is to look to God and allow God's faith to replace your fear. And know today that God is in control. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reminder that God is in control. In fact, I want you to say a prayer with me. I don't want you to close your eyes or anything. It's not going to be a real fancy prayer. But I want to say a phrase. Maybe you would repeat it with me. And if you would, great. If you don't, that's okay. But it goes like this. God, give me the faith to face my giant. Replace my fear with your faith. And I believe, God, what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. So see, when you ask him on the back of your connection card and on the back of your bulletin where the connection card is, is, is duplicated, just, just look right below where you're going to name your giant. I've asked you then to take charge of your giant and, and that you would commit to coming the next five weeks to our series on conquering the giants. So I would encourage you to do that. Encourage you to be a part of that. And, and I've said several times before that it's not accident that you're here today, that you've come to Easter Sunday at River Oaks. But wouldn't it be great for you to say, to the, hey, preacher, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back the next several weeks uh, as God will allow me to and as time will allow me to. I'm going to come back and I want to hear more. Because God is at work and he can do a great thing in your life. And I think he will through this series if you'll come and let him talk to you. Number one, name my giant. Number two, uh, uh, ask God to replace my fear with his faith. And then number three, move forward. Move forward with God through my fears. I love that. Forward with God. The natural action when fear comes in our lives is to step back to run away. A lot of people do that. More people allow fear to paralyze them than anything else. In all of my time in ministry, 35 years plus, I can tell you that a lot of people that I've, I know and have learned from are very comfortable to keep their fears right there where they are. They don't want to get rid of them. They've learned to live with them, cope with them. They've stayed with them for decades, some their entire lives. They are paralyzed victims because they refuse to face their fears. And it'll keep them from moving forward. But I want you to know there's a third option if you choose to draw close to God. The natural option of running is not the, is, is one and the natural option of being paralyzed is another one. But there's a, there's a third one. It's a supernatural option and that's of moving forward with God. Look at 1 Samuel 17. Pick it up verse 38. Remember how David had convinced Saul that he was going to take on Goliath. Look at 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor. And now this is interesting. It's almost humorous because Saul is like seven foot tall. David had been a shepherd boy, teenager. But he takes the helmet, bronze helmet and the coat of mail. David puts it on, straps the sword over it, took a step or two, and said, this ain't going to work. I'd never worn anything like this before. So the arm is too heavy, too big. David says, this is silly. Took a look at himself. It looked like a, a kid wearing adult shoes. He says, I can't do this. And he protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took him off. And look what he did in verse 40. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream. He put them in a shepherd's bag, armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling. He went out and did what he did. He went out 
and did what he knew best. And the Bible says he ran across the valley to fight the Philistine. He didn't sit back and hope. He ran across. He ran to meet his fear. So David, could, he couldn't defeat Goliath in Saul's armor. Because you and I are never going to defeat any giant that we face if we hope and let someone else help us other than the Lord. It'll never happen. I mean, you could say to yourself, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. If I had that career, or if I had that life, maybe if I had that guy's wife, boy, I'd have it, I'd have, I'd have it a lot better. The bottom line is, you'll never conquer any giant until you let the Lord help you conquer that giant. Quit doing it on your own strength. Because God can help you. Turn your attention to Him. And He'll do great and amazing things. Are you tired of being afraid? Are you tired of being paralyzed? Are you tired of being stuck? Then move forward with God. The wrong question to ask is, how big is my giant? The right question to ask is, how big is my God? Because when you understand that it's God who's on your side, you realize that God's perspective brings a whole different look to a giant. So don't look at your fear and say, this giant's too big for me. Look at your fear and say, this giant's not bigger than my God. I can beat this guy. I can beat this fear. I can beat this giant because God is bigger. And whatever you're facing next week, God is bigger. And if it doesn't, if you, if you wrote down four or five things instead of just one and you covered the whole page with fears that you had, I want you to know that God is bigger. He's bigger and can take care of it. And God will, through you, take care of it. Psalm 18, 2 is a great verse. Uh, just make a reference to that verse and read it later. But it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my Savior, my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. So name that giant. Ask God to replace your fear with His faith. Move forward and get, uh, on, uh, and get on track with God. And then number four on the back of your bulletin, back of your notes, celebrate God's victory. Celebrate God's victory. Now you might say, hey, preacher, I haven't won a victory yet. My giant's still bearing down on me. He's still taunting me. Well, I want you to know that you can celebrate the victory right now. Because the victory is the Lord's. The victory has already happened. In fact, let me show you a couple of things. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 50. David, uh, it says David did what? Triumphed. That's a great word on Easter Sunday. David triumphed. And there we go. He triumphed over the Philistine giant with only a stone in the sling. Do you remember how many stones he had with him? How many did he have? Because he had four older brothers. No, geez, I don't know that. David triumphed over the Philistine. Over that Philistine giant with only a stone and a sling. The rest of it gets kind of brutal, so cover your virgin ears if you need to. But in verse 51, since he had no sword... He ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from the sheath, used it to kill the giant to cut off his head. By the way, isn't that the ultimate victory? To use the enemy's weapon to kill them? <laughs> isn't God fun? When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, what did they do? Turned and ran. David was an unlikely weapon in the hands of an almighty God. And the unlikely weapons of a stone and a sling took down one of the greatest warriors of all time. 
He did it with faith. He conquered the giant with the Lord on his side. And, not, and now, while Saul, King Saul and all the other Israelites saw Goliath as too big, David saw him as too small. Too big to miss. And if God's on your side, no matter how big your giant is, you can celebrate that victory. And I can prove it one more time. Let's go back to that, and not from the story of David and Goliath, but I want you to go back to the Easter story 2,000 years ago. Now, I don't want you to start today on Easter Sunday. I want you to start on Good Friday because that's the day that the disciples saw their friend and Savior Jesus killed, crucified, buried in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. And so it wasn't a, it wasn't a good day. That giant that they were facing was insurmountable. Second Corinthians 13, 4 says, Jesus died on the cross in weakness. He now lives by the mighty power of God because you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's only Friday. He's in the tomb. Sunday's coming. And today is the resurrection day. Today is the celebration day. Today, we win the victory through Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? See, we're too weak. But we live in Him and have God's power in us. So what happened 2,000 years ago, as depressing as Friday was, it turned to joy on Sunday. Weakness on Friday. Triumph on Sunday. Despair on Friday. Celebration on Sunday. And so today... You and I can celebrate in advance of that victory that God has given us because of the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available for us as well. Matthew 28, 5. The angel spoke to the women these three words and underline them, would you? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Here's three more words I want you to underline. He isn't here. How? He isn't here. Amen? <laughs> He's been raised from the dead just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was. Now quickly go tell his disciples. They thought they'd been defeated by the giant. The angel said, go quickly and tell his disciples that he'd been raised from the dead. The giant is dead. The giant of sin has been conquered. The giant of the grave has been conquered. He's going ahead of you into Galilee and you'll see him there. Remember I told you. Today, God is saying the same thing. He's saying, don't be afraid. I've conquered the giant. I've seen you through the past when you dealt with lions and bears. I will see you through today. Don't be afraid. Maybe you're here today and you have never put your faith in Christ for the first time. Today be a great day. That's where it starts from becoming a Christian, saying yes to Jesus, saying, yes, Jesus, you're my Savior, you're my Lord. I believe that you died for me on the cross on Friday, but I also believe that you were raised again in a new life for me on Sunday. So if you have never said yes to God through Jesus Christ, say yes to Him today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. So why not believe today and make this Easter Sunday your victory Sunday? Then for those who are already believers... Name your giants. Allow God to replace your fear with His faith and choose to move forward on this Easter Sunday. Got one more verse in there for you. Romans 6, 4. It says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives in Him. It's 
great news, isn't it? It's great news. Our lives are full of giants this side of heaven. You're always going to be dealing with another giant. They will try to tear you down, scare you away, prevent you from living the life that God desires. But whatever your giant is, whatever your fear is, be assured of God's victory. Be assured of God's presence. Be assured of God's promise. And be assured that God will see you through this new life. Don't be afraid. He isn't here. He's risen. He's risen, just as He said. Bow your heads with me and let's pray together. As we bow our heads, will you, will you take on your giant? And would you take it to God? I hope that you filled in that blank and I hope that you're ready to let God have that and that you're going to trust Him to take care of it. And God, I want to thank you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for us. And then He was raised again to a new life. And He offers us that same promise. And if you're here today and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, believing in Him as Messiah, as Lord, as Savior, would you just say yes to Him right now? Yes, Jesus, I believe. God, thank you for this Easter Sunday. Thank you for the celebration today. Thank you that Jesus made a way. And Father, we'll just put all this in your hands and we continue in our series this next few weeks learning and drilling deep into our hearts the truths that we'll find. But it's all because of you and all because of your grace and we give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.